This podcast contains toilet humour, rude words, and lots of spoilers. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony on. It's time for Agony on. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony on. Well, Agony on is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony on a call. Hi everybody. Welcome back to Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems. Not by offering any real helpful advice, of course not, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And while we can't guarantee we'll solve any of these problems, at least you'll be left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your free time. My name is Liam. I'm the jaunty jingle juggler here at Agony Art. <laughs> Joining me as always are Aaron, our likely lad of literature, and Carl, our infallible funster of film. <laughs> Say hello. Hello. <laughs> you don't sound mu- much of a funster there, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, film time, yeah. <laughs> so before we get into it today, we're going to start off as always by making it very clear that we're not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our submissions are certified 100% trivial or fictional pickles from trivial or fictional pickles. And our advice should almost never be followed. We're really only here to have fun. So if you're having a real hard time, I'd recommend visiting our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So now we've got that out of the way, let's get on with the show. And here is our first problem of the day. I run a Twitch account with three friends, in which we all play video games while drinking, passing the controller between us every time we die, and respawn. It started out as a bit of fun, just an excuse to get together and drink and play video games we're not very good at. However, now we've become a tiny bit successful, and we have a small following from all around the world that seems to expect us to keep putting out content. That'll be fine, except now it seems that we're falling apart. Two of our groups don't really get on anymore. One of us keeps talking about quitting and going it alone on a solo project, and I'm here desperately trying to get everyone organised and make it work. And the worst part is, while we've been falling apart, our audience have been telling us our content has been better than ever. I don't think I can live with this stress much longer, so should we all just call the whole thing off, or is it still salvageable? Now, first and foremost, we need to think of a name. What's, uh, what's, the, guy from, what's the main guy from Minecraft? That's what they all watch on Twitch, isn't it? Blue Ninja. Alex, is that his name? He has got a name. I don't yeah, think the main character Alex. is either Alex or Steve. 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 Let's just keep it simple. Steve. Keep it simple with Steve. Steve Imagine if he's not Steve. How stupid are we going to look? <laughs> On um, new names in the park the other day, some girl called for her son and went, De Niro. De Niro. De Niro, yeah. After Robert. After Did Robert, Did the kid yeah. go, <laughs> are you talking to me? <laughs> are you talking to me? <laughs> We have a solution in mind already for this problem. And it's kind of my fault because there's one album that we've mentioned or I've mentioned maybe multiple times again and again on the podcast. Uh, And this problem is so completely covered by this example that I think we just need to talk about it in quite some detail. And that album is, of course, Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. It's the musical version of On Writing by Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> it basically Album is. of the show. Album of the <laughs> show. <laughs> um, so why? Why does this cover the problem so completely, I hear you ask? Well, let me tell you a little bit of a story, if you're willing to hear it. Only if you wrap it like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. 
Rumours was Fleetwood Max 11th studio album. It came after the self-titled album released in 1975. <laughs> <laughs> there was a few too many syllables. <laughs> it was a very valiant attempt, though, wasn't it? Yeah. That was beautiful. Uh, it did come after their self-titled album released in 1975. Um, and that album was one of their first real tastes of commercial success. It reached number one in the US. Were they not really famous before that well, album? Well, the thing about Fleetwood Mac is I think they went through a few iterations with different personnel so this might have been one of the first with the few members I'm sure we'll get into it I think but they seem to have a real problem with personnel in general don't Mm. they a lot of turnaround a lot of turnaround like Mm. Summerfield revolving door yeah Mm. HR department really needs to look at why staff attrition is so high Mm. so at the point rumours was recorded it's fair to say tensions between the band members were quite high we've already covered this a little bit in series one um Keyboardist Christine McVie and bassist John McVie had just divorced. Uh, Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks at the time were in an on and off relationship and arguing a lot, by all accounts. The drummer Mick Fleetwood, his wife, had just had an affair with his best friend. So he weren't very happy either. And the press weren't helping. There was like basically so much interest around the band that fake news stories were inevitably coming up. Uh, about illnesses that weren't true or false claims that Mick Fleetwood's daughter Lucy was really the biological child of Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. So, in general, things weren't great. But, despite all of this, like you, Steve, they produced their their best work, basically, a record that has been critically acclaimed since its release in 1977 and is still loved to this day. It often appears very highly in lists of the greatest records of all time, It's been described by various critics as one of the greatest pop records of all time. Near Perfect features a lot of bangers, including Dreams, Don't Stop, Go Your Own Way, Songbird, The Chain, what tune, Uh, You Make Loving Fun, which is another single from it as well. And half of these songs, I already mentioned before, are actually vicious swipes from one band member to the other. So, for example, Go Your Own Way and Dreams were written respectively by Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Go, Go Your Own Way being about how Lindsay Buckingham wanted Stevie Nicks to piss off, essentially, and Dreams being about the, the counter to that from Stevie Nicks. Clap uh, back. Exactly. And uh, on the documentary series Classic Albums, Mick Fleetwood described it as the most important album they ever made since it paved the way for future commercial success and allowed them to carry on making music for years and years to come. But still, nothing ever surpassed rumours, did it? Hmm. So did four, it, Liam? 40, well, did it? 40 million copies sold. 40 million in its first day. Yeah. Its first day? In opening, <laughs> opening weekend. <laughs> Tenth biggest selling album of all time. Mm. Oh, my days. What have you, you got to say about that, Liam? <laughs> Clap back to that, bitch. Clap back. Uh, it's interesting you mention uh, Tusk because... One of them band members was an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Buckingham. <laughs> Famous trunk. <laughs> You're wrong way. It, it, was the, it was the follow-up to Rumours and it also reached number one. Or It reached number one in the UK. I don't think it reached number one in the US. But it was intentionally made as an album that was nothing like Rumours. So they they were they were basically worried that they would get into the situation where they they would be essentially making rumours two and then rumours three and they didn't want to make mm. the same album over and over again. So did they stop bickering and actually be nice to each other for that one? <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but they they had a lot of experimental music on there. It was a double album, 
So this and this is where I struggle with it a little bit because rumours is short and sweet. It's thirty eight minutes long. You mm. can listen to that in one session quite comfortably. Tusk is seventy four minutes, mm. and there's twenty songs on it, and a few of them are quite experimental. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so well thought of today. At the time, it didn't go down quite as well, except it still reached number one in the UK. So what singles are off it? Tusk? Anyone that generally known? I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know. You know. You know the song I Don't Know You Know by Fleetwood Mac? <laughs> no, I think there might there must be one or two, but I can't name them off the top of my head. I don't think they're that popular. Singles from Tusk. Tusk, <laughs> Sarah, Not That Funny, Think About Me, Sisters of the Moon, Angel. Not heard of any of them. Think About Me is, Think About Me, When You're Lonely, Do You, you Ever Think, think About, about Me? me? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tusk is just elephant tromping. <laughs> <laughs> And um, they also apparently went away, recorded the album, and didn't let the exec- the label executives listen to it until it was done. When they just gave it to them and said, there you go, there it is. And allegedly they were all like, what? We can't sell this, this is rubbish. <laughs> uh, which one? Tusk? Yeah. Mm. Mm. I suppose you can be Billy Big Bollocks after you've made an album like Rumours, can't you? Yeah, exactly. Throw your weight around. So what do you? what's your experience with Fleetwood Mac? Uh, I... My mum and dad were never fans when I was a kid, so I didn't really hear it much. Because when you're growing up, I don't know if the experience was the same for you two, but you I pretty did. much listened to what your parents listened to. I didn't grow up, did. though, so. You didn't grow up. You no. were just born, and, born an adult, weren't you? Yeah. Really, really <laughs> tough birth Devastating for Devastating yeah. for your mum. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to what your parents listen to, essentially, don't you? And mm. then you kind of get into that music. So my parents went into it, but more when I was like a teenager... I pretty much only knew the big singles. Mm. Like, I wouldn't have known any of the singles you just mentioned off of Tusk because I think every Fleetwood Mac song I knew was off of Rumours. Yeah, The Chain and um, Go Your Own Way and Dreams and shit. So Dreams and shit. I would say that before about 24, that's all I knew. And probably mostly even now, but I have been to see them. Have you? At the O2, yeah. That's incredible. Since I met my wife, because her parents are really into Fleetwood Mac. Mm. Were they good? Um, were they, what iteration of Fleetwood Mac was it? Uh, they must have been Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham there, because it was pre-Lindsay Buckingham being kicked out, because he's since been kicked out. don't know if Liam was going to cover that late in the, later in the episode. I, I actually don't know anything about their reunion. At all. Yeah. So does the philosophical question about um, like a thing being a thing apply to Fleetwood Mac where if you change every part of a ship, is it still the same ship? Mm. I think Mick Fleetwood has always been a member though, hasn't mm. he? Because he's... He's the mast. So I, my experience with him as a kid, I remember big news at a Brit Awards where Mick Fleetwood was hosting with Samantha Fox and he's like six foot seven or whatever and she's like four foot five. And the camera just couldn't cope with it. <laughs> but they're both presenting awards. and So that was my first uh, recognition of Mick Fleetwood. And then really, I only remember Go Your Own Way via Guitar Hero being a bit of a banger. Quite easy mm. to play <laughs> and a good song. We've got a guitar here. Do you want to show us? <laughs> Is it a hero? <laughs> yeah. Has, hero it got four, has it four, got four multicoloured buttons? <laughs> <laughs> it's got these things called strings. <laughs> no, it's too complex for me. So have you, what about you, Liam? You've mentioned Rumours a few times on the pod and you've used songs from it to solve problems. But are you as massive a fan of it as that would imply? I'm going to drop a bomb here. 
I'm not actually. I fucking hate Rumours. <laughs> I'm not actually that big a Fleetwood Mac fan. But I do think Rumours is a really good album. And all the songs I named earlier, I think, are absolute tunes. Mm. Um, in general, I do find them a bit hit and miss. Like, mm. And that applies to Rumours as well. There's a couple of songs on there that's just like, yeah, I can take or leave this one. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about Fleetwood Mac, I think, is they've got three songwriters, three singer-songwriters. So a lot of their... Over the course of the album, they they kind of cover a lot of different styles of song, and yeah, so you've got like Christine McVie writing and singing songs. You've got Stevie Nicks, obviously. You've got Lindsey Buckingham, and so you get like quite a contrast. And you, and you, you get on rumours like you have um, Songbird sitting in between "Go Your Own Way" and "The Chain," and it's like a, a really cut back acoustic love song, like in between these two quite rocky tunes. And uh, I've got a fun fact about Songbird. Songbird, <laughs> Songbird, actually. Uh, in an interview with People.com in 2017, McVie said that she woke up... I'll, I'll let you decide whether you believe this or not. <laughs> she woke up one night and the song was just there in her head. Oh, God. Everything. This again. <laughs> and she had nothing to record it on. And she was so worried she'd forget it that she stayed awake all night and recorded a demo first thing in the morning when she got back to the studio. And she can't get no... Da, da, da. And the rest of it was her snoring. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, people talk some shit, don't they? And they think they can get away with it because they're famous. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, what you were saying before about um, very different songs next to each other, I think I listened to Rumours in its entirety for the first time in preparing for this episode. And I was surprised by the kind of... There's not one unified mood mm. that all the songs have, like... Most bands, when they're putting together a new album, they will keep songs off it if it doesn't fit the mood of the rest of the album. Maybe save it for a future album that has more of that feeling, if you know what I mean. But there's no unified feeling of all the songs. As you say, you can have like a banger followed by a bit of a crap song, like Oh Daddy. I've mm. never even heard that song and I thought it was crap. <laughs> it's like the penultimate, is it penultimate or mm. the last track? I can't quite remember. Um, that doesn't make it bad. I mean, I, I'll say Oh Daddy was crap. It probably wasn't. I only listened to it three times. Do we think uh, that was written about Mick Fleetwood as daddy of the band? Yeah. Oh, mm. daddy. Yeah. Mm. Oh, daddy. Do we think a drug-fueled love-hate drama would help us make our podcast better? This is what I don't really understand, is that they hated each other. It was drug-fueled. And from what I read, they wrote a lot of songs separately. Like, like Stephen Nicks wrote one of them in bed, didn't she? I think. And I don't think the whole band was there. The whole band were in bed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so how it, it's quite a miracle that it actually got made, right? Mm. Well, in such a toxic environment. One thing, one thing that I read, and I haven't got the source unfortunately, but uh, it said that they, when they were making music together, that was when they actually got on. It was just the rest of the time when they were like socialising mm. or talking like normal people would, that they just couldn't stand each other. So it was like it was more of a like keeping it professional sort of thing. They'd go in, they'd do the work in the studio, and then hmm. after that, it'd be a case of I fucking hate you. <laughs> it doesn't make. Uh, sorry, go on. It's interesting you say that because um, the chain is the only song where all five members are credited for writing it, hmm. and that's like one of their best works, I suppose, isn't it? Right. Mm. So, magic. Look at Lewis Hamilton. He's always listening to it. He is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> loves it. <laughs> it does amaze me though how people in like bands where they just don't get on like oasis is another example and um i think the libertines which we've covered before mm. how they can still make albums and get on in the studio and get it done like 
Christine McVie and John McVie having split up but still working on music together. It takes a certain kind of person, then it, to be able to put that aside and get into the studio and do that. And yeah, it's their job, so it's like going to work. You wouldn't cause a fuck-up at work. But they haven't got HR departments, bands, have they? There's, you can fuck it up. Like, they're creative people, so they can throw big strops and mm. not get anything done. Yeah, I guess they don't. I guess that's kind of the point, though, isn't it? Like, if you if you view it as work, you don't you don't need to like the people you work with in order to do a good job, do you? No. So we haven't answered Liam's question. Do we think that if we did a shitload of drugs, maybe fell out with each other, maybe me and you got together, Carl, strictly curse struck, but then we split up? Do you think we could make our best series yet by kind of having all that turmoil? Well, we take the piss out of each other already, don't we? So mm. quite a lot. I think we create magic. Yeah. yeah, with all that bubbling tension. Would you go your own way, or <laughs> I would um, probably. Or would you never break the chain? I would probably chain? don't stop thinking <laughs> about. I would probably don't stop <laughs> thinking about the podcast because <laughs> it will soon be here. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Liam? What's your opinion? I'd only love you when I'm playing. <laughs> oh, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I d- I don't know I. I, I I've got a very uh, cynical uh, personality. Cynical? Skeptical. Sorry, cynical is the wrong word. I've got a very skeptical personality about all of these sorts of things. I'm not convinced that uh, being on drugs and hating each other would lead to anything good at all. Probably the best thing to do would be to stay away from each other. I think it's a bit um, uh, luck, isn't it? More luck than judgment. You can't recreate something like that because most people, nine out of ten people, if they were in that much turmoil, would produce something shit or not produce anything at all because you just split up and you don't do anything. The fact that they managed to get it recorded and it was so popular was like lightning in a bottle and it wouldn't happen again. Basically what we're saying is is a too small sample size. You can't take this one occurrence and say, look. What about all the it. failures? What about all the albums that didn't get made because the bands that were making them had a meltdown? Mm, agreed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What about all the podcasts, Carl, that didn't get made because their podcasters didn't podcast? It's tragedy, isn't it? <laughs> Joe, what the world needs is more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Although this does entirely contradict with what I was getting at for Steve, which is that if you're anything like Fleetwood Mac, you're probably at the start of the high point of your career. Yeah. So we kind of just said that's probably not true. <laughs> so Steve, ignore the last 10 minutes. You'll be lucky if it be does optimistic. work. <laughs> <laughs> So we spoke a bit about some of their... Uh, other albums tusk is the one that always seems to come in at number two on like the greatest fleetwood mac albums lists the self-titled album the 1975 one um because they actually had two they had a fleetwood mac album oh don't ask me what year it was because i don't remember um but it probably was one of the first ones i imagine um and then the 1975 one was also just called fleetwood mac and fans call it the white album because it's white Obviously, <laughs> mm. um, there's too many of those coloured albums, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, it's black album, like red the, album, white album. There's quite a lot of album or albums. <laughs> there's quite albums. a lot of albums that either weren't named or they were self-titled or had similar names. So 
you can't really call them by their actual name. You just have to reference some other. What's thing the Beatles about one? The white. That's the white album as well. So isn't that's, it? Yeah. So because Jay Z did the black album. He did. Did he have a white album? I don't think he did. No. Point is though, why not just think of a fucking name for your <laughs> yeah. album? You've written all those songs and you can't yeah. name the album. Yeah. That said, I quite like the 1975 self-titled album. It's uh. What's off that then? Rhiannon. I don't know if you know Rhiannon. Fleetwood Mac, yeah, coming at ya. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac, yeah, coming at ya. Uh, I've heard of Rhiannon, but I don't know mm. how it goes. It's one of their big ones, isn't it? Mm. If you're um, a fan of Fleetwood Mac, you like Rhiannon. Stylistically, it's not too different to Rumours, that album. And I can understand in that context that it makes sense about the whole thing about Tusk being different because they didn't want to just be making the same type of album over and over again. I um, think the key to longevity, though, is... Mm. Changing it up. Changing it up and being a bit more of an artist yeah, than Blue just Blink 182 a... is still huge. <laughs> yes, they are, Carl. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Bands like that, though, have a, have an, a revival, don't they? Because yeah. people who listen to them when they were teenagers want to go to a tour when they're an adult. Well, this is what I thought. was I went to see Sum 41, and I think I've told this. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I thought it would be people my age, like, oh, Sum 41, yeah, let's go and have some <laughs> yeah. of that full of like 16 year olds mm-hmm. on ecstasy basically <laughs> and I, I turned up in a suit after work and I looked like the with band's no manager ecstasy. with no ecstasy at all <laughs> there was a mosh pit the guy I was with who's older than me he he was like I'm going in the mosh pit I'll see you later I didn't see him for the rest of the night that was it <laughs> see you later yeah and it was crazy and so I do think you're right they do have like a a resurgence don't they mm. And but they don't have longevity like but at the same time someone like Fleetwood Mac they tour now and really people are only going to see them to mm. hear the classics. Like if Fleetwood Mac put out a new album now, mm. not many people would be going to hear the new album. No. They'd be like, play the chain. So, yeah. Well, we, can you imagine? We went to see um, Spandau Ballet and Duran Duran. Yeah. If they played new stuff and not yeah. old stuff, I would be so fucked off. Yeah. It's weird though, isn't it? Because when I always think of, when I think about this, I always make the jump, the, sorry, the connections like Radiohead. Because they're a band who pretty much every album they're doing something different mm. and and they're still going I think I kind of stopped paying attention to them at some point yeah um, I think they've put out an album fairly recently haven't they but now they're kind of like splintered and they've got The Smile haven't they which is like three of the members oh right in a separate band because what I was going to say was I wouldn't if you ever went to a Radiohead gig, I don't think you would expect them to just play the hits, would you? No, it is weird, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's a separation between... Well, artists that had a long period where they didn't do anything. I think at that point, that's when you go stale and people mm. only want to hear your old stuff. Mm. Radiohead have been constantly going, haven't they? There have been a few years between each album, but it's been a constant... And their fans would be dedicated Pace. fans. Like, I wouldn't yeah. go to a Radiohead gig even if they said, we're going to play the hits. Would you rather go to a Radiohead gig? I'll be there. Play Creep. Play Creep. Play Ay Ya Ding Dong. Play Ay Ya Ding Dong. Would you be saying that with the cactus up your ass play creep <laughs> yeah <laughs> look what i've done for this play creep. <laughs> uh, on the subject of other fleetwood mac albums though actual friend of the show actual friend of the show george who we've mentioned once already <laughs> yeah we bullied him a, a few episodes episode ago, ago. <laughs> yeah. um it's mick fleetwood's son <laughs> yeah. no he sent me a message once saying that uh he knew I was a fan of uh, Rumours from the podcast, but he thought 
1987 album Tango in the Night could give Rumours a run for its money. And in my opinion, I think he's right, you know. Ooh. It's a great album. It's got um, Little Lies on it. Tell me, tell me lies, lies, tell me sweet little lies. Tell me lies, tell me, tell me, tell me lies. Uh, what else? Is it? I haven't oh, sung enough on this podcast. I've forgotten what else is on it now, but there's a, there's a couple of other good. Oh, oh everywhere, of course. What a tune! Uh, <laughs> I want to be with you everywhere. I want to be with you everywhere. It's worth it for the first track alone. I remember when he sent it to me. I was like, God, it can't be as good as rumors, can it? I stuck it on, and the first track is big. Love. And the rumors were true. <laughs> the rumors were true. <laughs> All the rumors were true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the first track is called Big Love, and I didn't really know it at the time, but. Oh, it comes in with this great guitarist and he's like, looking out for love. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so just listen to the first track and you'll know whether you're going to like it or not. There you go. And that's 10 whole years after Rumours and it's the same lineup. So they were hating mm. each other for 10 years and still <laughs> putting out pretty decent albums. Well, they put two albums out in between as well. So mm. they were just fucking churning it out. Um, Hatred I hate f- this, but <laughs> I keep doing it. Hatred-fueled <laughs> content creation. <laughs> Which I think, you know, is good news for Steve because it further drives home the advice of, you know, just keep it going and all this success could be yours. Yeah. Um, that said, though, Tango in the Night was Lindsay Buckingham's last straw. He basically, after they'd recorded the album, they were having a meeting about um, the, the upcoming tour that was going to be after it. And at that point, he just said, I've had enough. I'm quitting. Mm. And apparently Stephen Nicks was really upset about it or angry about it because she was like, we've got a fucking tour to do here. What are you, what are you doing? Mm. Yeah. So what did they do? Just get a different guitarist? Yeah, they brought in, I think, two different people. Oh. Um, Look who... at that. Imagine that. You quit your job and they're like, <laughs> he was so good, we need two people to replace him. <laughs> and they, um, yeah, they became, I think they became semi-permanent members of the band. I can't remember their names for the life of me, but I'm sure a lot of people will know their names. Johnny Greenwood and The Edge, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 15 million copies sold of uh, Tango in the Night. So is that good? Way good. less than rumours. Oh, way, way, less. way, 40 million rumours was. Mm. Would you rather Tango in the night or Fanta in the day? <laughs> Fanta in the day. I'm not a big fan of Tango. No? Doc, uh, Dr Pepper in the morning. Oh, <laughs> out of nowhere. Mm. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> so misunderstood. <laughs> While we were in Hawaii in June, I went to Fleetwood's which is Mick Fleetwood's oh, restaurant mm. in uh, Maui. and Does he come out to greet you? Nah. <laughs> he does live there, though. But he wasn't there when we were there. But you expect we expected it to be like trading off his name, but not really good food. Like, you know, how McDonald's is trading off Ronald McDonald's name. But in <laughs> <laughs> his musical success. But the food isn't, you know top quality but it was amazing food and live bands on both floors obviously i'm not being paid so other restaurants are available in hawaii in maui in maui (laughs) and all around the world in fact there are restaurants everywhere are they really yeah no you should try them they're not all owned by mick fleetwood either (laughs) yeah (laughs) so he's not only involved in music he's also involved in restaurant owning and book writing this is where I come in, Liam. Oh. Mick Fleetwood has written at least two autobiographies, and they overlap. It's not like different <laughs> stages of his life. He's retelling the same story in the latter one. He might have written one since then as well. The last one I know about is Play On, Now, Then, and Fleetwood Mac by Mick Fleetwood and Anthony Bozza in 2014. Do you think um, he 
you read back the first one and just thought, nah, I can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't my life. I've got to rewrite this. <laughs> it is weird, though, isn't it, that we live in a world where someone famous can just write multiple autobiographies and know that they'll sell, yeah. even though I'm overlapping. Like, I'm writing about this stuff again. But the first one was called Fleetwood, My Life and Adventures in Fleetwood Mac by Mick Fleetwood and Stephen Davis in 1990. Snooker player. Yeah. So 1990, 2014, there is 24 years of difference there. So although they overlap, there's still 24 years extra in the second one. I just wanted to quote from one of the Goodreads reviews. I haven't actually read this book, but someone quoted, kind of paraphrased it in the Goodreads reviews, and I loved it. This is Megan's review on Goodreads says... Favourite anecdote from the book, Lindsay Buckingham gets drunk during a show on the Tusk tour and starts openly mocking Stevie's dance moves on stage. After the show, Christine McVie bitch slaps him, throws a drink in his face and warns him not to ever make this band look foolish again. So it sounds like they were kind of arseholes to each other as well. (laughs) But um, as we say, it just worked, didn't it? From what I was looking at, it seems like he's the only one who has written memoirs out of all of them. Uh, I should think someone like Stevie Nicks would be a good read because she seems to have had a mad life. She lived with Jimmy Iovine for a while. Yeah, she was, she about she before. was uh, going out with him, wasn't she? Yeah. I remember that. What would your memoirs consist of, Aaron, so far? What would be the key anecdote? What would it be called? It would just be called Intense Disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> and the headliner anecdote, it gets like serialised in newspapers to sell the book, it would be this time my friend pushed me through the window of a clock shop. <laughs> <laughs> timeless what a wanker <laughs> timeless <laughs> nice uh, for the listeners Carl pushed me through the window of a clock shop I've got no um, retort <laughs> it happened but I did tell you I would do that <laughs> you warned me before you did it well yeah that's fair isn't it yeah exactly if someone warns you they're gonna assault you and then they assault you is it still a crime <laughs> I think it is yeah. no, it's a game <laughs> I, I don't think I can write a memoir. Well, I could, but I don't think it would sell. I don't think it'd be interesting. It sounds like Mick Fleetwood did these with a ghostwriter, though. Mm. Do you reckon you could just recite your life to someone else and have them write it with you? They weren't well, even it... ghostwriters, really, because they were named in the... Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> if someone's writing it, can't you just set, tell them to get on with it and ask them, give you a call if they need anything? Just make it up, and I'll read it and see if there's any bits that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I might not even read it. <laughs> <laughs> I might just... What's your problem? There's no use trying to pretend you haven't got one The three of us are here To lend a friendly ear And help you out with all that strife That's lately marked your life Why not divulge it? You never know We may have tips that help you solve it We know it's unlikely But it's an impossibility If you don't share your problem So one of the reasons, or another of the many reasons, why I think Steve needs to continue and channel Fleetwood Mac's rumours in his own endeavours is just the sheer amount of kind of, you know, references and people that have talked about how much they've been influenced by Fleetwood Mac as well. I often think that Haim want to sound like Fleetwood Mac. Mm. Do you feel me, dog? I'm not sure. I tell you why Liam I'm not doesn't sure. Film me, dog. I'll film you, dog. So, <laughs> get your hands off my dog. Because I don't, 
I don't disagree that there is an influence there, but at the same time, whenever I listen to Haim, it doesn't sound like Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Not even when they're going, You can go your own way. We're yep. sisters and we're great. That, that time that they played Rumours in, in its entirety, actually, yeah, that did sound a bit like Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> But yeah, no. Like, to be fair, I just you know I, I get that. Um, I get it's a vibe thing, isn't it, rather than a sound mm, thing. I think they they're very um, throwbacky, aren't they? I don't want to sound out of order as well because I really like Heim. I might cut that bit just so as not to offend Heim because there are our regular listeners. Yeah, they're like, ooh yeah, you did me so bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good Heim impression. <laughs> But I've got a few books that were either inspired by Fleetwood Mac or written about Fleetwood Mac to talk about. Do you want to do films first, Carl? Have you got any films um, you want to talk about? Do you know what? There's not a lot. You'd think there would be. Go Your Own Way it seems to be a popular one. It's also in uh, Forrest Gump oh. when he's running his own way. <laughs> <laughs> that bit. And it comes in in a quite a specific moment. So generally he just starts running. When he gains followers, it starts playing Go Your Own Way. And I think the intention is that it's inspirational. Like, oh, we're going to go and do what you're doing. We'll sod the problems we're leaving behind. We're going to run too. But it doesn't really go with the actual spirit of the song, does it? Because it's a bit of a fuck off your own way rather than, you know, <laughs> you go, you, you do you, boo. It's not really that kind yeah, of vibe, Yeah, but when you listen to the song, that is what you feel like they're saying. Yeah. It it sounds like a really inspirational song as yeah. well, doesn't it? It's yeah. Like you, could, you can definitely imagine it being on, like, one of those public speeches where people are trying to get people motivated yeah. about something. You could do it. You could go your own way. Who's doing the speech? <laughs> the Honka Chonka. <laughs> yeah, Sylvester Stallone. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly, but you don't know that the message is... I suppose you don't often go and read the backstory to a song, do no. you? Um, so, yeah, it does work in that regard. Dreams is in Eat, Pray, Love. Don't you think it's a bit weird? This is maybe a good time to talk about it, how they're, like, praised for this amazing album they made, but one of the biggest songs in it is a cover of a Cause song. <laughs> no, it's, it's outrageous, actually, isn't it? And they change the names to try and hide it, didn't Can't they? even write to... Did they? Yes, yeah, thunder only happens if it's raining. Is the cause one, no? No, I think it's still called Dreams when no, the cause not, did it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, just no. You're wrong there, you're wrong. Well, the biggest use of a Fleetwood Mac song is Formula One with the chain. Do you reckon, um, have we not discovered that Match of the Day theme is actually a song as well by Fleetwood Mac? Yeah, it's on Rumours. <laughs> is that... Yeah. <laughs> Go your own way. <laughs> um, but actually, a recent film which I don't didn't really rate, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I thought you did. Yeah, rate you don't Guardians like of Guardians of the Galaxy for some reason. I like the first one a lot, yeah. a lot, and I think that's why the second one disappointed me. Yeah. So I don't think it didn't really didn't do it for me. No, didn't blow my trumpet. I really liked it. Did so you? really yeah, liked it. Just must feel, got Kurt Russell in it. Though, it must as well, feel right? weird being wrong. <laughs> it's just not I'm just not used to it um, <laughs> but if you um, scroll to one hour fifty in towards the end the final battle between Peter Quill and his dad Ego, ego mm, yeah. yeah played by Kurt Russell Goldie Hawn's husband and Kate Hudson's dad <laughs> 71 year old virgin Kurt Russell <laughs> <laughs> um, Kurt Ego has got Peter Quill trapped 
And I just looked up Kurt Russell's age to see yeah. if I was right. You I was right. I got it bang on. <laughs> bang 71. On. Oh, what a <laughs> Look at that. Nice. Um, yeah, so Peter Quill's trapped by ego, like with loads of godly kind of tentacle things. He says testicles then. <laughs> trapped godly by his testicles. God, godly testicles. <laughs> and um, the chain starts. Which bit of the chain? It's not the Formula One bit, it's the other bit. Been us together. I think. Mm. From memory. I watched it this morning, fucking hell. Um, (laughs) And then he starts thinking of his friends, and it's a really shitty montage, actually, like hugging Batista, or whatever his name is. What's his name? Drax. Drax. And like, you know, having fun, laughing. No, it's actually (laughs) shitty. Um, And that gives him the power to unleash the god in him. His god balls. (laughs) (laughs) His godly testicles, yeah. And he starts to um, fight god versus god with ego. Um, just slapping their testicles together, just, just ball bouncing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't know whether they meant this on purpose, but as I mentioned earlier, this is the only song to credit all five band members who were right for writing. And so it kind of suggests that by thinking of all of his friends, it's giving him the power. You know, oh. they're better together. And it gives- do you reckon the decision was that deep? No, I don't. Or someone just liked the song. Someone liked the song, yeah. <laughs> so we could make it come back to the problem a bit. Steve it does, should, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're better together. And mm. they need to forget about the... Uh, the bullshit. The bullshit and uh, realise that, you know, they're Slap successful. <laughs> Snap your balls together and get on with it, boys. <laughs> That's my motto. But yeah. Uh, yeah, similar kind of story with fiction. I was thinking when we were talking about doing a whole episode on rumours, I thought there would be loads of books that were like loads. I was so inspired by I was listening to Fleetwood Mac the whole time I was writing this but I did find one Daisy Jones and the Six which is a novel about a legendary rock band in the 1970s my wife has read this by Ooh. Taylor Jenkins Reid and it's yeah a novel about a legendary rock band in the 1970s and the reason behind their split at the height of their success I haven't read it but a lot of people have and it was all over bookstagram um Bookstagram, in case you don't know, is a community on Instagram of people who just post pictures of books and shit. It's oh, all very... I thought it was like a strippergram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone comes around dressed in books and takes them <laughs> gradually off. But you, you have, have to, to read, read them. <laughs> you have to read them in order to see the person naked. <laughs> it's shit. It takes a number of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, apparently it was heavily, heavily influenced by a Fleetwood Mac story on hellosunshine.com. Taylor Jenkins Reid wrote an article called How Fleetwood Mac Influenced Daisy Jones and the Six. And I'll put a link to that in the episode notes. But in this article, she says, For one split second, truly a slice of a moment, Lindsay put his fist under his chin and looked at Stevie as if she was a miracle. And I thought, oh, they're in love with each other. She's talking about um, watching footage of a Fleetwood Mac concert, basically. Imagine my surprise when my mother later explained that, though they had once dated, they weren't together anymore. This completely defied logic to me, but they love each other. I saw it with my own eyes. When I decided I wanted to write a book about rock and roll, I kept coming back to that moment when Lindsay watched Stevie sing Landslide, how it looked so much like two people in love, and yet we'll never truly know what lived between them. I wanted to write a story about that, about how the lines between real life and performance can get blurred about how singing about old wounds might keep them fresh. And it's a lot of what we were saying earlier, isn't it? About even though, you know, you've been in relationships, you've split up, there is all this 
animosity between you, you can still turn up to work and do that and kind of enjoy moments like that, even though you've banged. She bangs, she bangs. Oh, baby, she moves, she moves. I did, uh, I did read that during the recording sessions for Tango in the Night, apparently Stevie Nicks was not entirely present. And when she did show up, she had like record some vocals and then she'd leave and Lindsay Buckingham would basically delete them all because they were terrible. <laughs> uh, it was like at a point where I think, I think there was a quote that said something along the lines of everybody was at their absolute worst when we were recording that album. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the premier Fleetwood Mac tribute band is called? Rumours. You're talking in the UK? Mm, yeah. Well, there's two. Um, that's one of them. Yeah. Rumours of Fleetwood Mac. Rumours of Fleetwood Mac. They're really good, actually. Are they? They're on YouTube. Why would you... Um, if you were in a tribute band, would you dress as the person you're tributing? Yeah, it'd be full stars in their eyes. I'd have Matthew Kelly come on and introduce <laughs> us. <laughs> Don't most tribute acts do that? They do that, though, yeah. but I just think it's a bit strange. Yeah. Um, the other one is Fleetwood Back, which sounds shit. <laughs> I would have called it Fleetwood Crack. <laughs> Fleetwood Smack. <laughs> a prodigy... Slash Fleetwood Mac crossover. Yeah. Fleetwood smack my bitch up. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fiction book, but there have actually been some inside stories written. Mm. Storms, My Life with Lindsay Buckingham and Fleetwood Mac by Carol Ann Harris. Carol Ann Harris was Lindsay Buckingham's girlfriend from like the mid-70s to the mid-80s. John Bergstrom wrote in Pop Matters... Throughout the book and the relationship it chronicles, the elephant in the room is the emotional and... More shockingly, physical abuse she claims to have suffered at the hands of Buckingham. Is Harris describing isolated, drug-fueled incidents that seem endemic of the time and culture she was living in, or serial criminal abuse? Can she be trusted, even sympathised with, or is she out to make a buck? There was also Making Rumours, the inside story of the classic Fleetwood Mac album by Ken Kalat and Steve Stiefel. Oh, probably murdered those names. I'm so sorry. <laughs> for people, who, this is one, sounds like it's for people who are more interested in the creative process than the bands like drug and sex fueled drama. It's written by Rumour's co-producer and engineer. And apparently it goes into fascinating details about sound design and recording. Uh, things like how the hi-hat was made to sound so splashy in dreams. That's quite technical. And how John McVie came up with the bass line for Oh Daddy. Apparently... He might have been trying to imitate whale calls, but Kalak can't be sure because McVie was drunk most of the time and stormed off whenever anyone complimented him for being inventive, <laughs> which is weird. But, you know, if you like a bit of drama, there is still a little bit of drama in this one. So when you make a piece of art that is this big... How big? This big. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah, original release was about that big. Yeah. But then they got it down to about that big, and now it's just on the internet. <laughs> it's not even big. <laughs> when you make a piece of art that this popular, people are, everyone around you basically is going to want to make a buck out of it, aren't they? Um, and some of them justified, really. Like co producer and engineer, they probably didn't make that much money from the album. No. And I might as well release a book about it. If yeah, it was like drug addled as well, like you could say whatever, and would they even remember what's going on? <laughs> yeah, they can't deny it. No. <laughs> So uh, I have a question which you probably don't know the answer to and I don't either but <laughs> is it a pop quiz asshole without an answer pop quiz asshole <laughs> how influential are drugs in the output 
of what you're doing. So like we spoke about libertines, didn't we? Where didn't mm. they say the drugs made the music good? Was that right? I don't think they said that. Okay, they didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but like they're they're another band where there's lots of drugs going around. Yeah. Do you think they could still produce the goods without the drugs? I reckon they would probably make better music if they weren't on drugs. Ooh. I mean, I haven't seen any studies that prove that, but... How much Plus. better could rumours be? I, I don't... I just don't believe... I told you before, I'm quite sceptical about these things. I don't believe that if you're off your face, you're making good music. What about when you're You're probably asleep? just, like, shaking in the corner, <laughs> aren't you? It's true. That's what, that's what I would think, but they seem to produce good stuff. Mm. Maybe you wouldn't have had the ideas that you had if you weren't off your tits. Mm. Well, should we have a little roundup of where book, music, and film might help them? Like mine was quite clear. You're better together through Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that was my story really as well. Like um, the point is that you might think that that these drugs and dramas are making your work better, but if you clean up your act a bit, come together again, remember what made it special. It's more likely to last long as well because you won't be kicking members out of the band and stuff like that. A bit more continuity. And the drugs don't work. They just make you worse. worse. But I know I'll see your face again. That's, that's completely off topic, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, all I've got to do is just point at rumours, really, for this episode. All I want to do is have some fun. All I want to do is do it. Do it. Big girl, big girl. <laughs> um, you know, like Steve, I've already said, mate, that just to keep doing what you're doing because you're at, you're at the best point of your career and it's only going to get better from here until in about 10 years when someone will leave and it'll get worse. Mm. But then a few years later, you'll have a reunion tour. <laughs> uh, so it won't be too bad and you'll probably make money for life. Do you think mm. you know when your best years are or do you only know after your best years are gone? Got to be in hindsight, isn't it? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. They've paid paralyzed. All right, so I think that just about exhausts our knowledge banks on the rumours front but hopefully Steve we've convinced you that you've got nothing to worry about and if you listen to some of the advice we gave and just keep at it stick together maybe try not to take drugs you'll probably be fine don't stop thinking about tomorrow you'll soon be here Mm. yesterday's gone yesterday's gone oh daddy (laughs) (laughs) don't know how that song goes so don't forget to check out the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com, the website, to find links to all the media we mentioned today. Oh, don't go your own way, Steve. Stay with the boys. <laughs> Four one. Four one. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes late. <laughs> Cole, yeah. you never interrupt the script. <laughs> you interrupted my intro because I ad-libbed. Check the episode notes or the website agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and you might even find a link or maybe not to the Agony Art Spotify playlist we're still not sure where you can <laughs> listen to all the songs maybe if you have a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website as always I would like to thank our resident Agony Arts for their contributions thank you Aaron and thank you Carl that's alright no problem don't worry about it it's not a rumour this is a sick podcast <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening all the rumours are true we'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through that rhymes and more entertainment <laughs> for you to check out I will see you then goodbye you can go your own way but I'd suggest keep it light cause their advice can be shite and they won't be held liable, liable. oh no not at all not here at Agony Art. 
agony, agony.